Hey everybody, welcome to part two of our Theology of Worship. Uh, last episode went a touch long, so we went ahead and split it into two parts. So uh, the last episode ended kind of abruptly, um, but this episode picks up right where that one left off. So uh, hopefully you enjoy it, and here is the rest of our Theology of Worship. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to uh, kind of the, the rest of this episode. Uh, thanks for indulging us on that little break. Uh, it was good for us to go stretch our legs for a minute. But uh, So we're talking about worship, and we've come to the kind of conclusion that uh, we're, we're always living in a state of worship, yep. Yeah. Um, to even make our definition simpler. Um, as Christians, everything we do in some form or aspect is a state of worship. Um, but I want to now kind of specifically talk about uh, worship music um, because there's a lot of worship music out there that's getting a lot of hate. Mm-hmm. Um, and we mentioned like two of those songs on the last episode, uh, Reckless Love and So Will I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to, I guess we can discuss, you know, what makes what makes a good worship song. Um, and what doesn't make a good worship song? Um, what are those faces for? Nothing. Okay. No faces here. So yeah. <laughs> Y'all are looking like, like something stinks in don't, the room. Don't worry, Ellie. Okay. Zane's looking like someone's going to bust through the door. Okay. So um, <laughs> So what makes, what makes a good worship song? Um, and then what makes... Where do we kind of maybe draw the line between what's a good worship song and this is just like a good Christian song? Okay, I think the second one we're gonna have, we're probably gonna have to talk through the question answer more. Probably, but that's fine. That's okay. We'll start with the first the first question and what makes a good. You see, I I don't. I mean, if we're looking at like contemporary worship, I think the the answer that a lot of people would say today was just the way it sounds. Yeah, and if it has a good. You know, if it has that, the classic components of a good worship song today with a nice big bridge, good drum breakdown in the middle, gets quiet, builds back up again. I mean, that's the elements to make a good worship song today. But to me, that's unsatisfying because to me, what makes a good worship song, it's not even about, I I love a good song with good lyrics, Mm -hmm. but for me, the most important thing, why I love, and this is my opinion, I don't think this is like written in stone, what makes a good worship song. This is just my opinion obviously it, it's this is all just our opinion yeah i think we should probably preface that as well but yeah. it truthfully is for me is i love a worship song that has weight and depth to it where i can feel what the either the songwriter or the person singing mm-hmm. i can feel what they're going through i can feel like this actually means something to them because it, i think my my problem with worship music today is and it's not that it's a bad thing because you're constantly producing new music, you're constantly producing all these new things, and it's an opportunity for someone to hear that song and it can relate to them more, which is great. But I also get fearful that are we oversaturating worship music mm-hmm. by constantly producing so many things that we're not actually giving it time to say, you know what, I want to write this song because this is something that I'm dealing with and not just this is your classic Christian somebody's going through. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I fear of. And that's where we've kind of had a lot of songs and 
That's things good. that are going on right now with like because you know it seems like every church has a worship album yeah. which is good like i'm not saying that's a bad thing but i think it's also scary because our church is just putting a worship album just so they can get recognition or are they putting out a worship album because hey people in our congregation actually went through some really difficult stuff and these were songs that we sang that helped get through these get, get through these difficult times and we're hoping that we can share these with the world that way someone else that's going through a difficult time can get through it too. Yeah, and so uh, I think, do you have anything to say to that? Before I kind of ask a a follow-up question to what Xander just said? No, I mean, I would agree. There is an oversaturation of the market when it comes to releasing music because everyone wants, well, I mean, it's how the world is because it's how, like, the Spotify charts and everything, how charts work is it's whatever came out this week. And to stay relevant, you have to continually be putting out new music. So, I mean, that is, it's the marketing side of it, and I understand why there's an oversaturation, but then in that, I would agree that through it, sometimes you're, you're grasping a little bit to come up with the, the hook and, like, the catchiness of why this song should, like, stay relevant. And to where some of the simplest songs are, like, like, one of my favorite songs is from 1992, and it's, like, a chorus. Yeah. Because it's just... There's so much in it that you just catch the emotion and it just stays with you regardless. And now we're in 2020. And I mean, sure, songs are catchy, but they kind of just like hit the surface of, yeah, so it's shallow. great, it's great. So shallow. Yeah. Like Michael W. Smith opened the eyes of my heart. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, will always be relevant. Mm. Always. Yeah. Um, you know, come now is the time to worship. Mm. Will always be relevant. Yeah. Trading my sorrows. Like you can name a plethora of songs from like that late nineties, early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. That will always be relevant. Yeah. Um and I think they're relevant because the focus is completely on God. Yes. Yeah. Um and that's I think that's my greatest issue with a lot of modern worship um and and i bring that up because uh you know xander kind of mentioned like we write this because it's what we're going through um and so kind of like my follow-up question was are we writing what we're going through are we writing about like what god is doing in our in our time of issue um and then you can answer that i guess in a second but because uh, I have this book, and it it's a it's teaching kids authentic worship um, by Kathleen Chapman, um, and you wouldn't think a worship or a book about teaching kids worship would be powerful, but uh, what she says on this page is uh, unreal, and I'm gonna try not to read the whole thing, but I probably will. Uh, it says worship is about God; it has nothing to do with you or me. It's only about God. The truth is, it's not about us at all. I am fiercely empathetic about this definition because we're talking about children understanding worship. The explanation must be clear so they grasp the truth. Our postmodern world indoctrinates children into believing everything is about them. Worship is one of the few things where the focus is completely off of them. Worshiping God is focusing only on God. Kent Hughes Senior pastor 
at College Church in Wheaton, Illinois, says, The unspoken but increasingly common assumption of today's Christendom is that worship is primarily for us to meet our needs. Such worship services are entertainment-focused, and the worshipers are uncommitted spectators who silently grade the performance. Taken to the nth degree, this instills a tragic self-centeredness. Ours is a self-absorbed age, and the church has followed suit. True worship is rare. According to George Barna, many adults find that having a truly worshipful experience is not something they can turn on and turn off at will. Having never been taught much about worship, they find the inability to interact with God on a deeper level frustrating, but don't know what to do about it. So I really love what she, what she writes here because she gives the definition of worship, and she is talking about music specifically, uh, and it, it is about God. It has nothing to do with us. It has to be completely God-focused, that it's the only thing where, you know, and it happens so much in America because America has instilled in people this I mentality, mm-hmm. right? It's about me, right? I got to do better. I got to climb up the ladder. I got to do this. I got to do that. But when it comes to worship, it has nothing to do with I. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. Yeah. And, you know, we really see that when we look at um, hymns, or when we look at, like, the doxology or creeds or statement of faith that, like, people would sing throughout the history of the tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, but today, modern worship, a lot of it tends to be about me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? It's about my issue. Um, and almost, uh, you know, it's me... I don't know, just talking about the thing that I'm going through and not completely focusing on God. Yeah. So when you, when you say, when, you know, saying what you said, um, what what do you, what are you meaning? Yeah. So what I mean by that and saying that I, because to me, and this is where, because I completely agree. And I think a lot of worship music has gotten off of God-centered. It's been more focused on situation-based circumstances that happen. But where I'm trying to get at is the community aspect of songwriting. I love when, because I've seen it where a couple couple churches, they write songs because maybe a member of their congregation was battling a certain illness. Mm -hmm. And it was through that illness that they were able to, I mean, God helped, we can say God helped them overcome the illness, whatever we want to say, whatever terminology we want to use, but there was some rally 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 cry that brought that church together through that, and just being able to pray over that person, continue to love on that person, and then God eventually helped them through whatever it was. Uh, To me, that's what I'm talking about whenever I say that I want to see churches talk about what they're going through because to me that's so powerful Mm -hmm. because it it brings up the whole community of worship again and it's not that it's neglecting the fact that god's not the pivot or god he's the focal point and i think that's where you just have to make keep that in mind and when i was saying that that was also what i was trying to get at too was god has always got to be the focal point in every worship it's not just about a me 
and what I went through, what I did. It's not what I did. It's what God did. Yeah. I might have went through something, but God was the one that was always there. God was the one that got me out. God was the one that's always been there completely. Right. And I, I and really where I think worship songs need to go to a little bit, because I don't think there's hardly any of them, is I love a worship song. And I can't even name one off the top of my head. I, I've heard some before, but it's so hard to find them. But I love worship songs that talk about actual... We talked about lamenting in the last ones. I love a, a song that talks about lamenting. Mm-hmm. And they talk about their internal struggle with God. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's some of the most powerful songs that you can hear. Yeah. And so that's where I was going on with about, you know, churches needing to release songs more about what they're facing or what they're going through. Yeah, so um, this question's going to be for Lucy. Is there a place in the church where worship songs not centered on God have a place? In the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like on a Sunday morning service. Mm -hmm. Is there is there a place? where songs that maybe do focus on the I or the me, do they have a place? Uh, sure, walk in music. Ooh. <laughs> like, that pre-service uh, playlist? Yeah, I mean, so, like, I, one of my biggest pet peeves is when a church sings a song that's not a congregational song. Mm. Nothing bothers me more than hearing like the band start to play a song and I'm listening to it. And I'm like, why, why did you choose this song? Yeah. And that's what I really liked about, um, Hillsong. And I actually was very impressed. Their empires album, Hillsong United's empire album. They specifically said, this is not a worship album. This is just music we've made. Yes. We are Christian. The music will be Christian not a worship album right it's just a performance album and i greatly appreciated the fact that they prefaced it with that and there are still people who are singing those songs in church i'm like what are you what are you doing that's not a congregational song and i think i centered songs like i mean i need you oh i need you every hour i need thee like while you're saying i a lot you're not necessarily really being inward yeah. It it's congregational enough to the point like I surrender all. Like it is well with my soul. Like yes, they're very they have the I pronoun, but they're not about you. Right. And I think songs made about like you I don't see they they don't I don't think they have a place in a worship set. Yeah, and typically if these songs are played in our churches um they're they're either song like one or two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like like the first or second. And then your third and your fourth song or your fifth song, however many songs you do, tend to be the um you know. Mm-hmm. Let's create a moment. Well, oh yeah. yeah. Almost. But like uh, No Hate on Glorious Day. That it's one of those top songs and to me it's such a throwaway song. Yeah. Like, yes, it's a it's a good song, has a good message. You called my name, I ran out of that grave, blah, blah, blah. Like, I get it, Jesus has saved us. But at a certain point, it's just like, like, the bridge, it's catchy. 
but it is very eye focused and I'm kind of just like what's the purpose of this song like why are you doing it to me it's kind of like I'm doing this song so that y'all can get your energy out so now we can start to worship yeah and I feel like it's just a misdirection of what we're trying to accomplish well that I mean that brings up the issue of um you know the the church service in general oh yeah and um Xander and I were talking about this yesterday uh, of how, you know, church services, whether consciously or not, mm-hmm. are designed to um, create an emotion in people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's why you have, like, that's why you have your typical, your first song is going to be hype. Your second song is going to be like that medium. You know, the third song is going to be slowing it down. Your fourth song is going to be like your hit home worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because you are, you know, you're building this emotion in people mm-hmm. so that by the end of worship, you now have all of these people that are hyped up on adrenaline and full of emotion. And you're now going to say, um, okay, now it's time for us to collect an offering. Mm hmm. So now all these people who have just gone through this roller coaster of emotion are very vulnerable because of the fourth song experience that they just had. Yeah. To where they are going to be more likely to give yeah. mm-hmm. and give more than yeah. they typically would. Mm-hmm. Um, or right, right after that worship, you have an altar call. Um, and you have all these people getting saved. And the question is, are they are they really getting saved? Like are they really are they really making that conscience decision mm-hmm. of I'm doing this because I want to do this? Or are they making the decision based on their emotions? Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest problems because you see it throughout our church services. You have your four songs of worship, all of them build up to something. Most of your modern services or structures they have some form of a ministry time moment where it's about a 30 second to a minute of just hey i'm gonna stand up on stage read some form of scripture some form of like really surface level christianese languaged line Mm -hmm. that pretty much has the same message of you're gonna get through it everything's gonna be okay and then you go back into the bridge of the most hyped up part of the song Mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden people have this feeling of like okay I want to do something, which is great. Like, I'm not downplaying the fact that's not great. But it can be so dangerous as a church because then you go back down that person, then you let them sit through a message, and they're in this state of adrenaline. Then the band comes back up, and they go right back into the song. And now that it, now they're just completely based on emotion to where, and, and this is where we have a problem. And I think this is where we look at the numbers and go, man, we had over 50 people get saved today. And we go high five and we go yes. And we look at our service. We go, man, our service structure is working. But I look at the statistics in America and more than ever, America is completely turned away. They're turning away fa- from God faster and faster and faster. Mm-hmm. So if we're saying our church services are actually saving more people and more people are coming to God, and yet the statistics in America are completely saying the opposite, I think we need to evaluate our people buying into the hype of church or are they actually buying into the trueness that mm-hmm. hey I want to actually love God. Yeah. And that's where I think we have to really the church has to look themselves in the eye and ask us a hard question is how are we setting up our services 
so that we can get numbers to make ourselves feel good, or are we setting up our services that way we can actually invite people into the presence of God? That mm-hmm. way they can actually make a life-changing experience, not based on emotion, but based on an actual decision that they want to do. Yeah. And I think uh, I think that alone is difficult. Um, I, I don't want this conversation to sound like we're, we're crapping on church services, because I don't know... And I've, I've thought about this quite a bit. I don't know if there is a way to have a church service to where, you know, emotion is not a factor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we ask the question, are people making this decision based on emotion or are they making it based on, uh, you know, because it's something they actually want to do? I don't know where we, I don't know how we separate. Like, I don't know how we do that. It depends on the knowledge of, of, honestly, it depends on the knowledge and the maturity of the pastor leading the moment. Right. In total, like, in truth. Because if your pastor is good at getting you to an emotional state and then does nothing with it, you're, you're wasting that time. Yeah. But if your pastor has the knowledge of, like, we're crying 18 bridges into pieces... Because we're just there. Like, they need to have the wherewithal of taking you out of the emotion of that song and into, like, the knowledge of God. Right. And if they're not doing that, then all they're doing is getting you drunk on the experience and the emotion of it. And you're just then going to always try to seek out that moment because it's the only time you felt good. Mm. But then you never learned what that moment actually was and how to properly facilitate that outside of the church. And now you're only coming to church because hopefully they'll do pieces and hopefully this girl will sing it. Cause I like when she does it better than this person. And then it'll only be that. But if they don't do that song that week, you're gonna be like, well, God just wasn't here today because you mm. weren't taught how to properly handle, distribute and go through that emotion. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Um, but that's such a hard, like, that's such an issue within the church. Mm-hmm. of Because, I mean, I've seen it so many times to where, I mean, you can have uh, a set list on a Sunday morning, and it be a really good set list, and you get no response from the people. Mm-hmm. But then the next Sunday, you can have a horrible set list, but you end it with uh raise a hallelujah mm-hmm. and people go crazy yeah and i think it's you know I, I borderline think it's sad that the people in our churches that claim to be you know these these hyper spiritual people um cannot react to React may be the wrong word, but, you know, those people can't um, feel God Mm -hmm. in one song, but they can feel God in another song. And that, I mean, that alone is so problematic, just the the idea of of feeling God. Because then your whole religion is based on Mm -hmm. a feeling. And I I completely, because I hear that all the time. And one of the things that I've always heard from, like, I've heard this from pastors in the pulpit. They'll talk about certain songs, and they go, man, 
the anointing is all mm-hmm. over this song. Mm. Yes. The anointing of God. Every time we sing these lyrics, it's just the anointing is on this this particular song. And that just, that baffles me. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Because if any song is glorifying God and its whole purpose is bringing worth and worship to God, how can one song other than versus the other have this special anointing that God has quote unquote placed on it? Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that creates a problem because, and when pastors say this, they're saying to their people, whether they intentionally mean to or not, the message is the same is you're never going to be able to experience God in any other form of worship, in any other form of song. And you were mentioning this, mm-hmm. but um, you're never going to be able to mention any other form of, f- or you're never going to experience God unless this one particular song's come on because it has a special anointing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And plus, when you say that over and over and you keep that as like your pocket song, people yeah. are now being trained. It's just like, you know, that w- mm-hmm. I forget what scientist it was that talked about it with... Um, with the dogs and how Bad they love. Would, yeah. Cause now they're just, they're, they're just conditioned. They're, they're conditioned that mm-hmm. when that song comes on, okay, we know, yeah, we know, even if I've been, haven't felt anything in this service, mm-hmm. we know that God's here, at least for this fourth song, which yes, is extremely problematic because God's in it everywhere. God's everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when we start saying that stuff from the pulpit and we use worship like that, we wonder why our spirituality in America, at least, and some of our American churches are so low, but that's because we look at the practices that we're performing on a Sunday morning, and we're saying stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's no wonder why we don't believe in like those type. Of, we, we believe that there's only certain songs that God truly does show up on, mm-hmm. which is beyond me. Yeah, the whole idea of you know God showed up this morning, like. I know that's a different topic, but, like, that's just such an issue. Like, God's always there. Yeah. Yeah. God doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. You you show up. God's the one that's always there. Yeah. Everywhere. You're the one that's showing up to the party. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet, pastors are just, oh, man, God God showed up this morning. Or you have a prayer service, and God, mm-hmm. was, God was here last night, mm-hmm. so he's not here right now? Like, yeah. is that what you're telling me? And when we condition people in that way, you know, we're now saying, right, to go further than just the song, we're now saying you can only experience God in church. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Um, which, yeah, it's horrible. And I don't want it to come across that we're bashing completely, because I, I hear people talk about this and had conversations, and it can seem very cynical. It's not that we hate the church. We love the, all three of us, we love love the church church more than anything. I mean, Mm -hmm. the church is... Love the church. Like, this is, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where you see what the church can be and the potential that the church has and what it's designed to do. Mm -hmm. But I believe right now, and especially in America, the church is kind of being fronted as we're going to make these short-term solutions in order to get the best results Mm -hmm. instead of actually building something, and I, I think something that God wants, and I think that's extremely important, especially in a worship service that we have to think about every time. Are we actually creating a worship service, a worship environment that we want or that God wants? Yeah. Are we making a worship service that is designed to make people happy or God happy? 
Yeah. Are we singing songs that make us happy or God happy? And I think that's how we, a lot of us as church leaders, we need to start focusing, even if you're not a church leader, you're just a regular church attender. I mean, you, you still have as much say in more than you think. I mean, there's obviously pastors are the ones that can, they're, they're leading, but you can still give that insight and help in whatever way. Volunteer, mm-hmm. get involved. But that's something we always need to think about is in every aspect of church, are we doing this to make us happy? Are we doing this to make people happy? Or are we doing this to make God happy? And, you know, that's one of my favorite pastors, good old Francis Chan. That's what he always talks about. And that's mm-hmm. one of his biggest things. And I, I think it's something that a lot of us as church leaders just need to consider a lot more than we do. Right. And if we reference back to kind of our definition of worship, <coughs> of, you know, everything that we do as Christians being, um, you know, an act unto God, right? The entire Sunday morning service is one giant act of worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, thinking about it that way, you know, we need to be careful what, just like you were saying, um, um, you know, what songs are we singing? And are those, are those an act to God or is that an act to the people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it comes to the message, you know, is this message unto God or is it unto the people? Um, and that's just something we, we always need to be conscious of as we're, you know, as we're leading churches and as we're doing this thing called ministry is, you know, trying, really trying to authentically keep everything, um, you know, as much as true to worship as as we can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Obviously, nothing's going to be perfect because we're human and we mess up. Um, but that doesn't mean we don't try to, you know, that doesn't mean we don't strive for perfection. So. Where do we draw, maybe, uh, I, I think I, I, I have my answer for this, but where do we draw the line between, uh, r- you know, radio Christian music and Sunday morning worship music? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. Okay. I mean, because th- you have a lot, I, I think a lot of it's down to, I mean, we've mentioned it, uh, and I think, you know, it's down to can this be sung in a congregation that I, I think the style of the music takes into place. I think the actual lyrics behind it come into play. I think the purpose of the being written comes into play. I think there are a lot of things that come in, but it's hard to necessarily. You know, because we have those, okay, that's a good song for Christian radio. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot of, you know, your Toby Max, your Mercy Me, a lot of the kind of bigger Christian artists, that's what you hear. But, and we have had this divide, because at one point in time, it, it's kind of interesting to see where Christian music has gone, because now it's kind of you have your Christian artists who are going out on tours, going on the radio, and then you have your kind of your churches or mm-hmm. you might like Carrie Jobs or like a couple where they're more focused on, well, like Carrie Jobs kind of on that. I don't know. But like you ha- kind of have this switch where our churches are the ones that are creating the worship songs, whereas the Christian artists are creating all the 
songs just for the radio. I mean, I mean, but when before it was always you heard your Chris Tomlins. It was yeah. Every almost every song on a Sunday morning was from a Chris Tomlin at some point. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. What's your answer on it? Well, well, I was gonna ask, or well, even Lucy. Yeah, I was gonna ask what her thoughts were before. Um, it, I think it really is. You gotta listen to the song, and I mean, I know that might be, like, yes, I believe you should fully vet every song that you try to present to your congregation, and I mean, as the worship leader, that's your job. Right. So I mean, I know that might seem like that's a lot of work, but really, is it? You just gotta listen to music all day. Like I listen to music all the time. I can tell you what songs I would sing on stage and what songs I wouldn't. And I mean, be that as it may, Lauren Daigle's a phenomenal artist. Sounds great. I don't think anyone should sing You Say on stage in the middle of worship. Yeah. I just don't think you should. I don't think it's congregational. But if she comes out with a new song and I listen to it, I'm like, wow, this actually would be phenomenal congregationally. And I mean, you might have your own reasons for choosing that. Like, you might know... Our church is in the middle of the suburbs, upper middle class, whatever your demographic is, you're going to choose music that relates to you to where, like, I grew up in the inner city in uh, borderline Kojic, so a Church of God in Christ churches. So my church music was predominantly, like, Kirk Franklin, Israel Houghton, Titrabet. Like, those were the songs I sang all the time. So it fit the demographic of my church. So those were the congregational songs we sang. It would be out of character for that church that I grew up in to come in with a Sandy Patty song. Right. Like it just wouldn't go over. So, I mean, you have to know the demographic of your church and what they like to listen to. And then you just have to vet your songs. Yeah. You just have to listen to them. And I mean, really you just have to make sure one, it's biblically and theologically correct as music and then you think our congregation would like it and you might love the song singing on sunday morning and realize the congregation doesn't like it and i mean that sucks cut it out of your song list yeah and then try a different song you might hate a song and they love it so go with it like you just have to know your congregation and vet your songs yeah i think my uh you know where i draw the line is can the song be sang congregationally like that's to me that that's that's really that's it for me um, because there's a lot of songs on the radio uh, that can't be sang congregationally, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, "Run Devil Run" by Crowder. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's a great song. It has a good message, right? I don't think anything about it uh, is is p- problematic. Mm-hmm. But you can't. I mean, you can't really do that congregationally. Um, you know, I think of the, uh, you know, the Gaither Vocal Band has a lot of songs mm-hmm. that I know <laughs> that, you know, they're great songs. Yeah. But you can't do He Came Down to My Level congregationally. That's going to be stuck in my head all day. Right. It's just not it's just not going to work. Uh, but then there's there are so many songs that are on the radio mm-hmm. that can be done congregationally. Yeah. Right. Our God by Chris Tomlin's on the radio. Mm-hmm. You can do that congregationally. Um, uh, what's that song? Uh, Forever. Uh, we Sing Hallelujah by Carrie Job. Oh, right. Yeah. That song is on the radio. You can do it congregationally. I mean, and there's a lot of songs on the radio that they cut for 
radio purposes. Yeah, for time and all that. Yeah. Um, that are fine songs to do congregationally. I wouldn't do the radio version. I wouldn't either. Um, but they're still they're still good to do congregationally. Mm-hmm. I, I guess where I kind of even to kind of extend this question, because this is something that I've, I mean, if you look at someone like the secular mm-hmm. artist, I think there are some secular songs with by secular artists that are talking about their struggle with God that I believe are way more impactful than some of the Christianese radio versions of songs that we have today. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't, I'm not doing that to bash on the Christian Christian songs. Yeah. But, like, there's this song called By the 1975. Mm-hmm. It's called If I Believe You. Yeah. And this is a... It, it's, it's this... It, the whole song is this talking about this... Like, what if I believe in God? This whole... It's this interaction. Mm-hmm. And it's... Really, it, I mean, it's heavy to listen to. Yeah, right. And the lyrics are deep. Like, I'm just going to read you the first, um, first four lines of this. I've got a God-shaped hole that's infected, and I'm petrified of being alone now. It's pathetic, I know. And then it says, and I tossed and I turn in my bed. It's just like I lost my head. And if I believe you, will that make it stop? If I told you that I need you, is that what you want? I'm broken and I'm bleeding. I'm begging you for help. And I'm asking you, Jesus, show yourself. Hmm. Like, this is by a secular band who is relatively known for their love of drugs, yeah. their profanity that they say. But this is a song that's saying, like, explicitly talking about Jesus and the struggle that they're going through, saying, I am hurting and I am broken. Like, that is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I think it's such an interesting way of how, how the Spirit and this is also where I think I, I wanted to bring this up because I, I think when we hear secular songs and we say, oh, that's a secular artist, so God can't use that song or that music to have an impact in anybody's life, mm-hmm. which is such a problem because we are putting such a limit on what God can do. Yeah. Because to me, when I hear that song and I, and I just read those lyrics, it, it, it breaks my heart. Like, it really breaks my heart mm-hmm. because that's someone, a band, probably multiple people that are in their audience that have listened to that, that probably grow close to that and have experienced something like that. And I just wonder, as a church, there are times where we will completely cut out, and I'm not saying this song should be sang on a Sunday morning. I don't want that to be it at all. But what I am saying is so often we will completely cut anything out and say, no, we don't even want to listen to that. We don't want to approve of that. We don't want anything to do with that. Because we might know the band, or it might even mention a, a word that has profanity, or a lyric that has profanity. Right. Mm-hmm. And to me, that it's not that it's a... It just sucks, is really what I want to get at. It, it just sucks. Mm-hmm. Because there are some very powerful songs that I think could really have an impact on people. Because it's a person actually going through a struggle. It's real and it's raw. Yeah. Yeah. But... Because it doesn't fit the standards of what a Christian song should be, it automatically gets axed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I was kind of just wanting to kind of take that story or just the where this conversation for a little bit. It's just what do we do with some of these secular songs that talk about this struggle or talk about Jesus in some way? Like, what what do you do with those? Like, what are your personal opinions on something like that? Uh, well. 
personally, I I think it's beautiful, and I mean, I'll listen to him. Uh, my favorite artist is John Bellion mm-hmm. and his album The Human Condition, and I've told you both this. It is an entire concept album about him finding God. And when you listen to it, literally from the first track to the last track, and uh, I think it's I think it's 12 tracks, and literally track six and seven back-to-back is the songs uh, Maybe I Don't Know and uh, Woke the F Up. And he does cuss a lot in his songs, which a lot of Christians don't like. I digress. Um, and literally, Maybe I Don't Know is like this whole song, and the, the pre-chorus up to the chorus is, uh, if I knew tomorrow, I wouldn't need faith. If I never fell, I wouldn't need grace. And if I knew his plans, he wouldn't be God. So maybe I don't know, and maybe that's okay. It's like the whole, mm. that's the whole song. And it's so beautiful. And then it leads right into uh, Woke the F Up. And it's last night I woke up, I realized I need you here. Desperate as that sounds, like I need you. And it's this realization that he needed God. And then like the songs, and it's not overt. And I mean, if you listen to those songs, you're not really going to catch it unless you're looking for it. But like the entire album just beautifully portrays the depravity of without God realization that you need him and then living life with him. And it's so beautiful to listen to. And I think cutting out music because you think they're secular. I mean, I I guess, I mean, you, you will cut out all forms of music that could hinder you. Yes. But you also are cutting off any instance to be blown away by the works God can do. Yeah. Because you're just going to limit your exposure to his like glorious nature by doing that. And a lot of people have turned their nose up at Kanye's Christian albums because they've heard Kanye and Kanye is not good. So obviously this is terrible. And I'm like, listen to the words in these songs. Like he's trying And I mean, I don't know his personal life. I don't know where he is in his walk. But from the music, he's trying to give it a shot. And I think limiting that and turning your nose up at it is just making you, one, judgmental. and Like, who are you to judge any of these people? And just you're denying yourself the ability to fully experience God. Yeah. Hmm. I think with um I, I don't think we can discount um a lot of music. I mean there's music obviously that uh has has zero value yeah to your your walk yeah in 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 Christ and in faith. But I think uh there are songs out there that though they be secular um, can really have an imp- I mean, I was listening, this was months ago. I can't remember the name of the song, but I'm listening to this song. It's not by any Christian artist. And like, I just start weeping. Yeah. Because I, I can, like, I can, I can feel this person's pain. And I know what this, like, I know what this person's going through and my heart's breaking for them. And I'm like, I'm experiencing I'm experiencing God through their story. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, 
It was just a a, a secular artist. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, we do need to be careful with what music we are listening to, a- and obviously, you know, there needs to be a line of you know what songs do we do in church, yeah, mm-hmm. and what Absolutely. songs what songs do we not. Um, because that song by the 1975, I've never heard the song. Um, but I would imagine it's probably not no, a song you can do in church. No, I don't think there's any... By any means. No. <laughs> and I don't... The reason I brought that up was, I mean, I know it kind of went away from the topic a little bit. But I think the reason why I wanted to do it was, and I'm glad you brought up your story, because the spirit can... Literally, I, I just think so often there's this idea in our Christian world where we just we literally limit God. Mm-hmm. We limit God and how He can interact with us. We limit God and how like what that just some secular song that you might not have ever don't even know it, remember, but it got you to weep, and in a way it brought you closer to God. Yeah, absolutely. And in this song, when I listened to it by the 1975, even though I mean I would never imagine that a secular song especially by the 1975 would ever make me just think about jesus Mm -hmm. and i think that's why i'm bringing it up is because it doesn't necessarily just have to be from a christian artist and a christian song and a christian person to bring you closer to god it can be through anything yeah uh, well i mean it's like that song um if i was jesus oh yeah which has been redone by who it's was Toby Keith, now it's Paul Coleman. Yeah, so Paul Coleman, who is a, a Christian artist, yes, right, has done the song and has made it uh, popular within Christian circles. But that song was originally done by Toby Keith. Yep. Like, I don't know if he wrote it, but he was the first to record it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Toby Keith uh, is definitely uh, not a Christian artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to some of his concerts and, um, you know... <laughs> From from the fruit that I can see, uh, you know, I'd even question if if he's a believer or not. But that's I mean that's not my place to judge. But you know, it was a song done by by a secular artist, and, and you know, when you listen to the song, it really does kind of make you think. Like it's kind of this fun party song, yeah. To be honest, um, but it does kind of make you think. Like, man, okay, what would I do if I was Jesus? Right. How would I how would I change the world? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And there's that line in the song of. um, uh, I'd lay my life down for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the first time I heard that, I was like, whoa. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I'm putting myself into this story of, okay, what if I was Jesus? And then, you know, that that story ends with you dying on a cross. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like to me, it really made that. It really made an impact. Yeah. Of, okay, it, you know, because if I was Jesus, I'd have some real long hair. You know, I'd walk around in sandals. Like, I'd turn water into wine. I'd have this really cool time, whatever. Uh, but then I'd lay my life down for you. Mm-hmm. And it just, it really hits home with the, the, the emotion that is in the Gospels. And the power that is in the life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And really, with that, even to go along with that song, because it even says, I forgive you and restore you while I'm hanging on that cross. I mean, that's something, when I heard that, that, like, just in that same way, because it is a really upbeat, like, funny song at the start, and then it just hits you hard in the chorus. But it, it does, 
it does go along those that same lines of what you're talking about, just how the simplest songs that you didn't even think of, they can have an impact. Yeah. And and I think that's just really cool to view God that way. And it's a challenge for us is how can we continuously be open and not just completely shutting ourselves off from... Because this is where I think happens a lot, is there are times, and I, I'm guilty of this, there are times where I'll say, okay, I'm going to actually worship God and I'll put on a worship playlist mm-hmm. in my car. Or I'm going to worship God because I go into a church service. And even though I'm completely like, I know in my head, I know that that's, I've cre- like, I know that I can worship God anywhere, no matter what I'm doing, no matter what I'm listening to. Mm-hmm. But I have already created this notion in my head that the only time I can truthfully worship and truthfully really press in mm-hmm. is whenever I have put worship music or Christian music on. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's a, and, and to me, that's, that's a, it sucks because I wish there were times that I never did that because I can, and of course there are moments where, yes, you know, putting on worship music, it does help. It, there are times when I'm having a stressful day, can help me just, there is a purpose and a time for it. And obviously I'm not like saying don't do that. But there have been times in, you know, throughout my, my life where I've intentionally not chose to listen to worship music because I didn't want to worship God. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, that's a, problem because there are so many songs that I could play without it being worship music where I would just have the same value and I could go, wow, mm-hmm. I can seriously honor God in anything. Yeah. A- again, it goes back to you know what we were talking about with Matthew 14. When, you're, when you think about worship in a way to where it is your entire life and everything within your life, right, and every action that you're doing, is a, is a form of worship to God. You start to see these these acts of worship in places yeah. that you would never think mm-hmm. that they would be. Yeah. Right? You start to have these experiences with random songs that you would, you know, probably yesterday you were listening to it, you know, jamming to. And then after you start thinking about about it that about worship that way, you know, now you listen to that song and it brings you to tears. Yeah. And you don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, y- you know why, but, you know, you don't know. You don't necessarily know why that's 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 happening within you. Um, but it, it just, it you know, just to kind of bring us back full circle. Yeah. You know, w- when when we understand worship as as just an aspect of life, like everything we do in our life is worship to God, mm-hmm. or at least it should be. Mm-hmm. We really start to look at the world a lot differently because then we look at these secular songs like we're talking about and we listen to them. It's like I said, we think about the lyrics and we go, okay, I see God in this. Yeah. But then there are those other songs where you're listening to and you go, okay, I don't see God in this at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to I'm going to x this from my life. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you have to x all secular music. Mm-hmm. You know, but but now you have the ability to really think through. Okay. I experience God in this. I can keep it. I don't experience God in this. I'm going to get rid of it because I want everything that I do in my life to be an act of worship. Yeah. And I think that's uh I don't know. You get a whole new eyes to see the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. you really do. When you're looking at it that way. Yeah. 
And I don't know. I think that's really, I mean, the way you said it and the way you wrapped it up. And I guess back to the kind of doing a whole nother circle back to the very start of everything. And I think whenever, kind of just how you were talking about just with secular, I think whenever we start doing that, bringing it back to how we songs we would play in church and just the way Christian music is going nowadays, I think in the same way we can look at it and go, is this song truly glorifying God or is it truly glorifying myself? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden now we can really start to see what songs we want to continuously play in our church. And because now we actually have a true form and we're in a good state of, okay, we know what worship is and we know how to worship. And we can start making those judgment calls a little bit easier. Yeah, a little bit easier. But it's not easy. Oh, it's right? not. Like, that's that's what the point I was about to bring up. Like, you know, this is not an easy task for a worship leader. No. Mm-mm. To sit down and listen to all this music. Um, you know, Lucy was kind of talking about this. And, and you just sit and you listen to music and you think, okay, is my congregation going to like this? Do I like this? Yeah. Is this glorifying to God? You know, is this song relevant? Um, you know, I mean, you can obviously make the argument that if the song is about Jesus, then it's always going to be relevant, or it always is relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, that's not true. Right? Sadly, it's not. I mean, I can only think of a handful of songs from, you know, like we mentioned, late 90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. that are still really impactful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the other songs, they're yeah. just lost in the, the ether of mm-hmm. music. Um, they probably had an impact at the time, yeah, but they don't have an impact now. Mm-hmm. At least not, um, not the same impact. Yeah. So, yeah, it does help, uh, you know, make, make things easier, but it doesn't make it easy. It's basically... Basically kind of where I wanted to land that plane. So, uh, do we have any any final thoughts on worship in general and or worship music? I feel like we, at least for me, I feel like I, we, I've talked in worship a lot. I feel pretty good. My final thoughts are just simply, you know, just... Be more intentional with understanding worship. Yeah. Because if we can be more intentional, I think, one, it can really help us throughout our day and make our lives just a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But it can also be something that can bring glory to God in more things that we do. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would I would say that, yes, God is everywhere and you can experience him everywhere. But while you go and try to live your life in this form of worship, I would encourage you to find where you are most real, like, I don't know how to phrase that, where you realize God the most, Mm. where you're in a state of, I know and I am aware of the presence in this moment and just find those moments. Yeah. And then just as you find them, they're going to be way easier to find. And I mean, it's sometimes it's difficult and then other times you're just walking through a field because you're playing bocce ball and you don't know where you threw it. And then all of a sudden it just hits you. And I mean, just look for those moments. And as you find them, you're going to find more of them. And then your life is going to be 
better for it once you realize that God is everywhere and you're able to experience him anywhere. Yeah, that's beautiful. So last thing, um, we got to rate this shandy. So uh, Lucy just finished hers. Yep. Um, Had a nasty sip. Xander's Mm -hmm. been done for a while. Yeah, I'll have to Um, remember. I just finished mine a little bit ago, so. I'll drink slow. Um, Let's rate it. You were first one done, so give us yours first. All right. So as a, if I were to rate this as a beer or a cider, it would not have been anywhere good. But since we had the revelation of a shandy, and this is obviously my first shandy that I've ever had, I think I'm going to give it a six. Okay. I, I if it was If it was there, I would drink it and I would like it. But would I go after this again? Probably not. Sorry, that's, Florida Brew. That's fair. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think I'm going to give like a seven. I told um, you, I am the Simon Cowell of this podcast. I'm gonna I think <laughs> a six is a bit generous. I, I could I could go down to 5.5, but we'll give be nice and go six. I think I'm going to give a seven just because the it, it is good. Like it's a great, it has a good flavor. Um, you know, it, especially if you're not a fan of beer. Mm-hmm. Like it, it does taste good to be, I guess, technically a beer. I it's, mean, it's technically it is technically a beer. Yeah, it's technically a shandy, but it is a beer. So, if you're not a fan of beer, then it's definitely one a, for you. It's definitely one for you if you like grapefruits. Um, but if I had the option between that and like, don't you dare say bush light. No, like a <laughs> like a beer. Like a real beer. Okay, thank you. Like a lager or something. I'm going with I'm going with the real beer. Hmm. Um, so maybe even based on that, maybe a seven's a little too generous, but it is good. So like that's where I'm basing my my rating off of is it is good, but I'm not I'm not gonna go to Florida Brewery and make that trip just to get that get that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a five. I think it's a little one note. Mm. The very first sip tastes exactly like the very last sip. And it does but not get... isn't that a good thing? Yeah. No. Ooh, no, okay. Not in my opinion. I feel like it should change. Interesting. And, I mean, I don't think... Like, it got warmer as I sat here for two hours. And it's weird how that does that. And it's just kind of like... Uh, it didn't do anything, and I mean, I wasn't a fan. I don't like grapefruit that much. Might have something to play into it, mm. but no, I thought it was real one note. There wasn't like a depth of flavor, in my opinion, and I just kind of, when I smelled it and I tasted it, I was like, oh, that's exactly how it smells, and there was, there was nothing. I also feel like with this, uh, what would you even eat with this? You know what I mean? Snack food. Like you can't yeah, you can't really enjoy this with like a nice meal. To me that's like a like a cucumber sandwich. I've never in my life said, yeah, I want to make a cucumber sandwich. You've never had a cucumber sandwich? No. It's Why would I do that to myself? Cream cheese, cucumbers and dill. That sounds awful. On on soda bread. What? There's just okay. Yeah, I don't know. The <laughs> it's a we, high tea We've completely lunch. went to this isn't bad to all of a sudden all of us hate it. So 
I never liked it. I thought I was so. harsh giving it a six, but I think I could have given it a five point five, but I already said six, so well yeah, we got five, six, and seven. So it's a six. Hey. So it's a six. Not bad. I don't know what you'd pair with it. I don't know either. Cucumber sandwich. Other than like I have to make you all cucumber sandwich. I don't sandwiches. know. If like maybe appetizers. That's what I'm saying. Crudite. Or depending on the dessert, it could be a dessert beer. Mm-mm. Mm. I don't know if depending I've ever heard on that. the dessert. About that. Depending on the dessert. What dessert? <laughs> yeah. Then? I don't know. Because if you give me a like a, a chocolate pie and no, that, you don't pair that with chocolate. Exactly. What would you pair it with? Because even if you gave me like peach tart in that key lime pie, would not. Nope, wouldn't be a fan. Uh, peach cobbler. Because no, because a key lime is so tart, and then that's tart. I think it's kind of sweeter than tart. I think the only thing you could try to do is give that with a sorbet. Oh yeah, if you, you paired it with, it with a, sorbet. a sorbet, it could be a breakfast beer. I actually, actually could see that. Yes. yes, it could be a breakfast. I don't know if you were beer. saying that as serious. No, I was being dead serious. <laughs> like a steak yes. and eggs, and that I think yeah. yes. Like a a breakfast beer would be yeah acceptable. All right, well you heard it here first from Craft Theology. We have found our first <laughs> breakfast beer or bur- breakfast sandy shandy shandy. So, uh, that's it. Thank well, you, thank you for giving us. These uh, beach me ups. Oh like yeah, thank you. They, they were, were good. It sorry, we hated on them. If that was your favorite beverage. We are sorry. We did not mean to offend you. I did not hate it. I have taken one sip beach of me beer up. and just never touched it again. So I did finish it. I just probably wouldn't order it for myself. Well, that's okay. But that's all we got uh, for this episode on the theology of worship. Uh, so yeah, make sure you're following us on Instagram, craft.theology. Uh, if you have any questions about anything, you can message us on Instagram or email us at crafttheologypodcast.com. Uh, other than that, we love you all. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for the support and you'll be hearing from us soon.